All right, what we're going to look at today, the secret place. First thing, um, I don't know if you've got a place in your life where you go, where you want to get away from it all, a place that you go for a little bit of peace and quiet. Maybe it's you as an individual, maybe it's you as a family. We discovered one, me and my family, a few years back in the Forest of Dean. I don't know if any of you have been to the Forest of Dean. It's not too far from here. It is a beautiful part of the world. And we found this place here. It's not the best picture, but it has been awesome for us. This is um, a place in the Forest of Dean that's not well known. It's a bit off the beaten track, but it's basically a stream you can see a stream there, and just off, off shot this side, it kind of goes down into a tiny little waterfall, and then the stream continues on. And we take our boys there, kind of, we took them last year, we've taken them the year before, and basically they love it there, because it's a big picnic site, you can kind of pull your car up, go down there, and we literally spend all day with them. We put the picnic rugs out, and they go in the stream, and they run backwards and forwards, they build dams, they hunt for stones, they get their nets out, they uncover stuff, they have a fantastic time. There's one of these container cafe things just at the side, you know those, old, those kind of shipping containers? You literally open the doors and inside is a little mini cafe. So if you want to go get an ice cream, you can get an ice cream. And there's usually one poor individual in there who's working and it's their job to entertain the people who turn up. But there's never that many people there and it's just a lovely time. We've been there when it's been sunshiny and wonderful and we've been there when it's actually been rainy and horrible but we've hidden under trees and the kids are still going in the stream and had a fantastic time. So we love it there. It's one of our little secret places that where we go and get away from it all. And I don't know if you've got a place like that in your life, places where you just like to go to get away, where there's a bit of peace, a bit of quiet, you can focus, you can relax, you can have um, good chats with people that you've taken, build relationships and generally kind of just leave the world behind for a short spell before getting into it. And that's one of ours. And what we're going to look at today as part of this new series is that we're going to look at the secret place. What we've been doing is our focus of 2018 as a church. If you're new here, you won't know this, but if you've been here for a while, you will. We're focusing this year on reading our Bible and prayer. That's our thing. That's what we're saying. This is what we're going to be doing for 2018. And we use this picture of the sandwich to try and help us. And we use this verse. Can you put the verse up for me to illustrate? This is the one from Acts 2.42. And I shared this at the beginning of the year. And it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. And this is from the book of Acts right at the beginning where it's talking about the church and the church has been birthed. Jesus has died and risen um, and ascended into heaven and said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's come. Peter has preached at Pentecost. 3,000 saved. The church as such has been birthed that we know about it. Then at the end of Acts 2, they have this little, little section where it's describing what the church is like. And in there you find this verse. And what we, just thought, we talked about, we looked, talked about being devoted to something, that it's something that we have to give our focus, our mind, our energy, our attention to. And then we talked about two parts of the sandwich. We had the apostles teaching on one side, which was we, start, we talked about the Word of God, our Bible, which we should be devoted to, we should be reading regularly. And on the other side, we had prayers, which was the other bit of bread in our sandwich that we should be people of the word of God and prayer and in the middle our filling if you will was the community life of meeting house to house 
fellowship and breaking bread and being together. And what we wanted to do halfway through the year, which is kind of roughly now, is we want to just revisit them. So we've taken a brief break from Joshua. We'll come back to that in a couple of weeks. And we've done two weeks so far where we've looked at the Word of God. That was a couple of weeks ago. I started and I looked at the big story of the Bible, how it all points to Jesus, every bit of it, the Old Testament, New Testament. Here's the focus. Here's what it's all about. When we get into our Word, ultimately that's where we're going. We're looking for Jesus as we read it from the very beginning to the very end. Last week, Jeremy looked at God's Word and how it was authoritative in our life, that it was our final authority, how it was sufficient for us. It had everything we need in there, and it was a necessity for our life that we should read it and study it and get into it. And what we're going to look at now is we're going to do two weeks on prayer. So we've done two weeks on God's Word, two weeks on prayer, and hopefully these work as a challenge for us to get it back into our Bible reading, get back into praying, getting into those devotional times, however it works. And what we've done over the last couple of weeks, I've had a couple of people come up and just share their story, how they read the Bible and pray, introduce themselves, and I've got a couple more lined up again this week um, as well. So what we're going to look at this week, we're going to look at the importance of prayer and how it should be prioritized in our life, and then next week we're going to look at kind of a bit of the how-to of prayer, and that will be the end of our series. So if you've got a Bible, can you go to Mark chapter 1, please? Mark chapter 1, I just want to read a section to you. Now, if you don't have a Bible, I'll put it on the screen behind you and read it out to you. So Mark chapter 1, New Testament, starting at verses, verse 21. Verse 21. All right, if you're going to put that up, I will read this to you. So it says, And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he, that is Jesus, entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever. And immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And the fever left her and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Okay, what we have there is a very busy day. Anyone else had a very busy day at some point? Anyone else can identify with this? And interesting, this took place on the Sabbath, which was their day of rest, like our Sunday. (laughs) This was the day where it should have been restful. And this is what happened to Jesus. First thing, he goes to church, the synagogue, church. He went to church, he was a churchgoer, and he was the preacher, it turns out, that day. He was the one giving the sermon. So he's there giving a sermon, and by all accounts, he was doing a banner job. I know what that's like. 
Just saying. So he was, he was rocking the house and it was going really well. And they were saying, man, this guy's got authority. But then, then there's an interruption. There was someone who was under the influence of a demon, an unclean spirit. And this starts yelling out in his sermon to Jesus. I know who you are. You're the Holy One. And you think, I can imagine that being somewhat off-putting, somewhat stressful for him that this is suddenly happening. Everyone's be looking like, who's yelling? What's going on? And this guy's yelling. And then Jesus then deals with it. With a word, he speaks, and the Spirit leaves the man. But not quietly. What does it say? Convulsing. So a guy was thrashing a little bit. Something was going on. There must have been noise. Everyone must have been looking. Oh my goodness, pressure. But they're, they're, that's happening. I bet the disciples were freaking out. Like, ah, what's going on? And Jesus is saying, come out. And they're like, oh, ah, ah, you know. And then off it goes. And then it calms down. Maybe that was at the end of his sermon. Maybe that was the beginning. Maybe they had to collect himself and carry on his sermon. It doesn't particularly say. But obviously, he got to the end of the sermon. I imagine people had a few questions for him at that point. So there would have been a bit of chat in the synagogue there, then it says he went home. I can imagine it's like a little bit of a break. Go home for some lunch. We've done the morning. Main part of the kind of deal of the day is over. Let's go home, get some lunch. He gets home, goes to Simon and Andrew's house. That Simon who also becomes Peter. So he goes there for lunch and he's thinking, lunch. Fantastic. But he goes in and he finds Simon's mother-in-law is there and she is sick. So the next thing is like, Jesus, they're all looking at Jesus. Can you imagine that moment where... Mum's ill, and everyone just looks at Jesus as if like. So Jesus then goes and heals mother-in-law. Mother-in-law is an anagram for woman Hitler, just saying, but he doesn't matter to him. So he heals her, raises her up. It is you're doing it now, aren't you? It's just like. So he raises her up, which is fantastic. So well, so that actually she then serves them. She's able to serve them lunch. So that's what happens, and they're thinking finally. Done the sermon with the crazy guy, healed the mother-in-law, had some lunch. Ah, then what happens? It says, word of Jesus had got round. And it says, in the evening, basically the whole town turns up. So he's chilling out after his roast dinner. Oof, that was a good meal. Enjoy that. Knock at the door. Opens the door. And there's the whole town. And it says, who did they bring with them? Did they bring gifts? No. Did they bring important people? No. They brought all the sick people and all those afflicted by demons. And we've just met what someone afflicted by demons is like. So they've all now come to his house where he is. And then Jesus then has to go out and he starts praying for all these people. Now we know the uh, historians tell us that the population of Capernaum was around 1,500 at that time. So there would have been a lot of people outside the house including sick people, there might be people that to carry, you've got all sorts of diseases, you don't particularly want to get too close to them maybe, you've got the demon possessed who would have been possibly yelling or convulsing like we've seen stuff going on and then Jesus is out there healing them and I don't know how long that took but I can imagine that put a damper on his evening he wasn't going to chill out with his feet up anywhere you know, taking it easy, no no he's now out praying for all these people I don't know how you would feel about a day like that. I'd probably feel exhausted, emotionally drained, knackered and desperate for my bed at the end of the day. And 
The fascinating thing then is if you read on what happens, because this is the verse I actually want us to focus on. Jesus deserved a rest. He deserved a well-earned rest. Well, he does. He deserved a lie-in. But what does it say on the next verse? And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed, went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. That last bit's the key in what we're looking at. There he prayed. Jesus had had one full-on day. He had kind of, from end to end, there'd been just stuff going on, stress, people, this need, that need. Can you deal with this? Can you deal with that? Can you just help us over here? Can you pray for this person? There's been craziness with demon-afflicted people. There's just been all this, ah! I would have wanted to curl into a ball at the end of it, and if anyone tried to talk to me, I'd have lost it at them. I would have stayed in bed for a while just to recover. But no, he says he got up and he went out while it was still dark and he prayed. He made a conscious decision to prioritize time with his Father in heaven over and above other things. For that would have probably been sleep early in the morning or just debriefing what had happened, but he decided to go and pray. And I just want to just draw out of this thing three things for us today that we want to look at. The first one, the priority of prayer, the place of prayer, and then lastly, the results of prayer. So I'll just just go through this. Number one, the priority of prayer. Despite what Jesus had gone through, despite what that day is like, he put a priority in his life on praying. That was clear from what we've read in the verse. That actually, it doesn't matter what kind of happened the day before, big day, he made a point of prayer. And Mark, the gospel writer, who would have known him, been around, wanted us to have that recorded by the Holy Spirit and said, you need to hear this, church. You need to see that this has all gone on, but Jesus went and prayed. I'm going to add that into the gospel for eternity so people will understand in the years and millennium to come that this was important. And if you reflect back on what Jesus had done the day before, it actually highlights even more the importance of prayer. If Jesus had like an easy day and he just said, Jesus spent the day chilling with his disciples on the edge of the Lake of Galilee, and they didn't do much. And then he rose next morning and went out and prayed. You'd have been like, eh, okay, but you had an easy day yesterday. But when you have this day that's like, wah! And then he got up and prayed. It even puts an even greater emphasis on it. And he wanted to prioritize time with his father. For Jesus, prayer was a priority. And a priority is something that we put in order something we put over and above other things. It's a way we rank what's important in our lives. And the reality is we all do it all the time, regardless of whether we're thinking about it or not. What's important in our lives gets our time, attention, money, focus. We either do that knowingly, consciously, or we do it subconsciously in everything. And it seems Jesus here valued prayer over other things. In this case, probably a bit of sleep and a bit of kind of rest and recover actually he knew he needed to spend time with his father and for us life can be basically boiled down to a set of priorities if you take someone and you look at their diary and you look at their bank account ask a few questions you'll know what's important in their life 
Because what they give their time and their energy and their money to will dictate, will show you, give a picture of what is important. And for us, this could be a whole host of things. It could be our work. We give our priority of work. If the boss says we've got to get there, we get there on time. We work our full day because we want our pay. So we prioritize work. We also prioritize sleeping. I think most of us all slept last night. Could have done with maybe sleeping longer. But we all went to bed at some point, slept through the because we knew we need sleep. You can't survive without sleep. We all prioritize eating. I don't suppose many of you didn't have breakfast this morning. And if you didn't have breakfast, I'm sure you're banking on lunch because you know you need food. You need that. Surprise you. I need to eat my three meals a day plus the snacks plus the late night one just to get me through the day. You know, we all know what that's like. Friends, family, children, we prioritize them. We give them time and attention to continue those relationships. Even church and the things of God get priority. That's why you're here this morning. You've chosen to prioritize this in our lives. Also hobbies and leisure and things we do for kind of relaxation and uh, fulfillment. We do those as well because we just want to have that to recharge. We prioritize those in our life. And life is basically trading off a whole bunch of these things. We've all got 24 hours in a day. We've all got to kind of, we can only fill it so much. And we choose to prioritize those things. But also there are things that can get, away, get in the way of prayer. Things that can hinder it. Some of those things we've just said. Work. You've got to get up, get out early. Do the commute to work. Man, that can get away. You're working late hours, you come back dog tired. Oh. Do I even want to think about praying at that time? Being married, having been single, having been married, that can get in the way of prayer. Because I've now got someone else in the home that I need to deal with and interact with in a, in a good way. You know, the fact that you're laughing nervously means something you know about it as well, you know? Not just me and my family, it's, you know. Children, what bundles of joy they are. And they suck life and energy out of you like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that can get in the way. That's what I'm saying. I love it. Housework, you know, just the things that need doing around the house, cleaning and tidying. If you're married and got children, that multiplies exponentially, just saying. But you've got that as well. What about good works and get in the way of prayer? Good works. We're so busy doing good things that we actually think we haven't got time for prayer because I'm too busy serving and helping people. What about self-sufficiency? We think, oh, if I, I you genuinely think I don't need to pray because I've got it sorted. I've got it, I've got, I know what I'm doing. Everything's right. My relationships are fine. My work's fine. I'm doing this fine. I'm serving church. Prayer is just, I don't need that. Ultimately, that's prideful, but we can fall into that thinking. Sometimes we're just lazy. <laughs> I cannot be bothered. There's so many other things I'd rather do. Get out my smartphone and just scroll through stuff. Sometimes busyness, we've just got so many things in our life coming on and you think, I've just got to do the next thing. I've got to, the to-do list just grows and grows for us. So there's a challenge for us today, church. And it simply boils down to this. Is prayer a priority for you as a believer? Does it have a place of priority in your life? Because I would submit to you from Scripture that it should If you're a believer, prayer, talking to your Father in heaven, 
as modeled by Jesus himself and then followed on by we see the early church that actually prayer should be a priority. It needs to be a priority. Is it something you value? Is it something that you see is important? Is it reflected in your life? Is it reflected in your diary, your calendar? Is it reflected what you do with your time? If I ask those closest and nearest to you, would they say actually yes? This person or that person, I know they pray. I know they spend time because I've observed their life. I've heard them talk about it. I, I know them. I know what's going on in their life. Can Phil and Wendy, can you guys come and join me? Now, I've asked Phil and Wendy just to come and share their stories. We've asked some people at every um, sermon of the series to come and do this. They're going to share, um, introduce themselves. They're going to tell you their favorite sandwich, which is in line with our sermon series. And then they're going to explain to you how they read the Bible and pray and how it's a priority to them. So, when you guys are ready. My name's Wendy, I'm married to Philip. We've got uh, three children and two grandchildren. Um, my favourite sandwich is egg and cress in good quality fresh wholemeal bread. Oh, in the church, um, I help lead one of the kids' teams the years one to three. Hi, for those who don't know me, I'm Philip. Um, in the church, I... And one of the life group overseers look after two life groups. I'm one of the directors. And the best job of all is that I lead one of the setup teams. It's a great job. It's fantastic fun coming here and setting up, making this look nice for everyone. And I do need another member of my team. So if anyone would <laughs> like to speak to me afterwards, please do. Sandwiches. Um, on a, I, I like loads of different sandwiches, but on a hot day, like today, I think what I would choose is prawns in a nice sort of um, mayo or Mary Rose sauce with crispy lettuce. I also have a very sweet tooth. And um, when I was working, every day I used to take honey sandwiches. <laughs> Great. Um, I'm very much a morning person, so the time I like to read my Bible and to pray is early in the morning before anybody else gets up in the house. Um, that hasn't always worked, but that's what I would like to do. Um, reading the Bible, um, one thing that has helped me enormously, which actually wasn't done early in the morning, uh, 35 plus years ago when we were first married... Philip and I read the Bible in chronological order in a year. And my understanding of the whole picture of the Bible through doing that was just completely transformed. Um, and it was in the days before children, before dishwashers. So we used to take it in turns. One would wash up, the other one read, and then we'd swap over. The other one would dry, and the other one read. And it was just absolutely brilliant. So that's really, really helped me. Um, I tend to do different things depending on what season of life it is. So uh, when one of our daughters was ill for six years, I lived in the Gospels. I just read about Jesus as much as I possibly could. I wanted to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus the healer. Um, recently, I read 2 Corinthians. I just thought I hadn't read that book for a long time, so I'll just read that. Um, and now I'm reading a book called... I can't remember what it was called, but it's 50 Reasons Why Jesus Died. So it takes verses and then explores different reasons why Jesus died. Um, 
prayer. Um, I wish my prayer life was better at the moment. It tends to be very snatched. Um, tend to just be praying about the things that are happening that day. Um, try to fit in a bit extra if I'm walking somewhere. Um, but my prayer life has looked better than it does at the moment. Um, I used to pray a lot, a lot, a lot in tongues when one of our daughters was ill. Um, I wish I did more of that now, but hey-ho, in the future. (laughs) So I'm not a morning person, which does give Wendy plenty of time before others get up. Um, So Bible reading. I've read my Bible in many different ways over the years. I've read it from cover to cover, I don't know how many times. Um, Sometimes just literally from beginning to end. Sometimes I've read four chapters of the Old Testament and two of New every day to get through them about the same time. Um, I've read lots of different versions. I find that reading a different version, a different translation helps keep it fresh. But right now, I'm actually using these books, which are by Phil Moore, and they're uh, straight to the heart of series. At the moment, I'm reading Acts. And having read the Bible so many times over the years, I tended to find I was getting the same message, God was saying the same things, and I'm sort of, it's not, I just need something a bit more. And this is, it has theology in, but it's very accessible, but it has amazing insights as well. Very challenging, very thought-provoking, great. So if any of you want something extra, straight to the SARS of series by Fillmore, highly recommended. Very short little bits every day. Prayer. I find prayer on my own really hard. I sit down to pray and so many things come into my head, which are things that I need to do, jobs that need doing, things that I want to do. Um, so what I've done over the years to try and help, I find praying when I'm walking helps, praying when I'm driving helps. I used to pray on my way to work every day. Um, and... During times when we've had really difficult times, which I have been quite a few of, I've um, had periods of time when I've done one day where I've fasted and prayed instead of having lunch. Um, Wendy and I have prayed together loads during difficult times, and we've really discovered the prayer of married couple praying together. Now, when something hard comes, usually almost the first thing we do is pray, and that is to be highly recommended. So to help myself, what I've started doing since January, I've made a prayer diary. So for every day, no, that's not true, for five days of the week, I've written out things that I'm going to pray about. And the part of the reason for that was because my prayer was becoming very insular. It was all to do with us. It was all to do with things going on with us. But now it's much broader. And um, I did five days because I knew that realistically speaking, I would be bound to miss two days a week and then I wouldn't feel condemned. So there we are. So that's what I do. Brilliant. Thank you very much. We give those guys a clap. Okay. Let me just finish with a quote on this and we'll move on to the next thing. This is um, from a, a Christian author, but he, it was a comment he made about him and his wife praying together, but it's applicable to all of us. It says, imagine you were diagnosed with such a lethal condition that the doctor told you that you would die within hours unless you took a particular medicine, a pill every night before going to sleep. Imagine that you were told that you could never miss it or you would die. Would you forget? 
would you not get around to it some nights? No. It would be so crucial that you wouldn't forget. You would never miss it. Well, if you don't pr- we don't pray together to God, we're not going to make it because of all the things we're facing. I'm certainly not. We have to pray. We can't just let it slip our minds. I found that quite a sobering kind of illustration to kind of bring it into relief. What is the priority of prayer in your life and how does it fit? Let's look at the next one, number two. A place of prayer. It says in that verse, and rising very early in the morning, while it was dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. A desolate place. From this we see Jesus had two things. He had a time and he had a place. The first thing was the time. It was early in the morning. It was still dark outside. Presumably others were asleep. And so when he got up and left, it would have been quiet. And he removed himself and went somewhere else. Before the day got hectic, that was his thing. He he designated a particular moment in his daily routine, his daily schedule, his diary, on his calendar, on his phone, whatever it would have been. The alarm would have bleeped in the morning. Boop. At whatever time, six o'clock, half six, whatever it was, time to get up, time to go and pray. And Caesar said he he got up and he went somewhere else. He went and had a place. It describes it simply in the passage as a desolate place, kind of away out the way, this place where there wasn't others, like our stream in um, the illustration at the beginning. He just went somewhere else. A secret place, it was just him. And another way you could translate that desert place would be wilderness, which has huge echoes for the people of God. If you go back into your Old Testament, the wilderness was where the people of God went to meet God. Find that in the Exodus, where they'd come out of Egypt, they went into the wilderness. They went to Mount Sinai. God presented himself on the mountain. God's presence was there. Even recently, in Jesus' own experience, he had faced the temptation from the enemy in the wilderness. We had been tempted and it said angels came and ministered to him. There was a sense of God's presence there where he went. So this is a picture for us. He went somewhere away and he got with God. He got with his Father in heaven. He went after the presence of God. It was away from the busyness of life. It was away, a place free of distractions and stuff going on. And so he designated a time and he designated a place to go. And so he'd made it a priority in his life. I've got to do this. But then it has to get practical. Right, you want to do something? What are you going to do about it? In our day and age, we'd say something like, make a plan. If you find if something's important and you want to achieve something, you want to get somewhere, you'd say something like, you've got to make a plan. Set goals. Do something to move you from here to there. And for Jesus, he said, well, I'm going to pray. So in a time and a place for him, it was early in the morning, and he went somewhere where he was free from distractions. Now, this kind of thing would require discipline, It's not something you just fall into. You have to actually do something. You have to kind of motivate yourself, put things in place to help you, whether it's to tell other people. So, you you know, let them know this is what I'm doing so you can keep me accountable, whether it's setting alarms or whatever it is, carving out time in your diary saying no to this, yes to that, so I can make this happen in my life. You've got to do something. And so my question for us, for you today, is do you have a place of prayer? Do you have a time and a place where you know that's where it happens? That's where the action is. That's where I have my time with God. That's where I go and I pray and things happen. Do you have that in your life? If not, I submit to you that you think about it. 
Now, depending on your work and your life, it might change with different seasons. We've had people testify saying that with the seasons of life that come, it needs to change, it needs to adapt, it can't always be the same thing. Uh, Work changes, health changes, children changes, you know, all affect our life. But the question is, do you have that place now? Is it early in the morning? Are you a morning person? I am a morning person. It's annoying, but I am. I'd rather get up early and get on with something and do it. So my time is early in the morning. That's what it is. I'm married to someone who isn't a morning person. Pray for her marriage. She is a a late night person. She'd rather do things at the end of the day when the day's over and the kids are asleep and it's kind of calm. That's her time. That's where she would rather have those moments. doesn't matter. Where's your time? Is it something on the commute? I know people who do commutes, have long commutes, on the train, in the car. They walk somewhere. They've got to do this. Is that your moment where you just get zoned, there's no one else, and you can focus on God and you can do that, spend some time praying, thinking? Is it in your lunch hour that actually you think, I can carve it, I have that kind of job where I just have that window of time? Is it after the school run when the kids are gone, I've just got that moment where I can have it to myself? Do you have a space where you can pray? Do you know where this is kind of where I go and where it happens? It could be the car if you have that opportunity. It could be a certain room in your house or a certain chair in your house that you sit in. That's where I go and do my business. That's my place. I know some people who have it, their desk at work, they get in early and they go, this is my desk, there's no one else here. Either it's in my cubicle or I can shut the door. This is my moment. It's quiet and I'm distraction-free before I turn on the computer or the answer any of the phones, this is my moment where I do it. It might be outside. You might be in the beautiful weather, going out, having a walk, seeing the garden, whatever it is. Do you have your place where you go and pray? Because if you're going to make it a priority, fantastic. But then you've got to do something with that. How are you going to make that work? How are you going to fit that into your life? What are you going to do to make that happen? And last one, the results of prayer. The results of prayer. If you prioritize prayer, you put it in your life, you have a time and place, you go do that. Next week we're going to look at kind of the how, what, what actually happens as we pray to help us with that. But I also want to, the last thing I want to look at today is the results of prayer. If you go back to your Bible, I just want to read the following few verses, kind of just to hopefully bring a bit of focus as we finish this. It says this, verse 35 that we've read, And then rising very early in the morning while it was dark, he departed, went out to a desert place, and there he prayed. So that's kind of busy day, early morning, I'll go and pray. Then verse 36 says this, And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. That's why Jesus went away, I think, because the disciples came looking for him. Jesus, where are you? And he's like, well, I'm over there where you can't find me so I can pray. Verse 37 says, And they found him and said to him, Everyone's looking for you. Why are they looking for him? Well, effectively, kind of revival broke out in their town. He preached that stonking sermon. There was the demon dude who he cast out. He then healed the mother-in-law. He then had the whole town turn up and presumably prayed and healed for them. This is awesome. This is like what we pray for, what we long for. This kind of like everyone knew what was going on there. Jesus was there. The word of God was going forth. There were miracles. It was just, this was just amazing. I can imagine if I was one of the disciples like, we have made it. We've hit the Christian big time. You know, church here, it's going to grow. We've made it. We'll get the band and the lights. We'll get the website up. We'll start a hashtag, revival in Capernaum. You know, we'll get this going. This is where it's happening. 
you know, and they would have been really excited about that. And I can understand totally why. But what does Jesus say? Verse 38. And he said to them, Let us go to the next towns, that I may preach there also. For that is what I came for. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. The disciples were like, it's happening here in Capernaum. This is the place. We're going to build a mega church here. And everyone's going to come and it's going to be awesome. We'll have kids work. We'll have kicking band. Hey, it's going to be brilliant. But Jesus says, no, that's, that's not why I'm here. I've been spending time with my father. I've been talking to him. I only do what I see the father doing, Jesus says. So I'm going to follow what he's saying. And I've got to go to other towns. I've got to move on. I've got to leave the revival here and go on to the next place. Spending time with his father, prayer kept him focused on the mission that God had called him to, which at that moment was preaching and teaching in other towns, bringing out the word of God that he had said. Jesus' message was the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, believe the good news. Ultimately, we know that gets him to the cross in Jerusalem. But at this stage, he's on a mission. I've got to proclaim this good news. He's in that period of ministry beforehand, three or a half years or so. It is. And he says, this is what it is. I've got to get focused. I'm not going to get distracted by the voices around them, even the voices that are close to me that actually are good voices. They want the best for me. My disciples, my friends. So I'm not getting distracted. I'm going only after what God has called me to. And the reality is we live in a world with so many voices, so many things yelling at us, do this, do that, come here, go there. And some of those are just the voice of the world, trying to squeeze things into the mold. They can be the voice of the enemy, just trying to throw us off track. Some of them are the voice of people who love us and know us and, and want good for us. And we have to filter it all out and think, actually, God, what are you saying to me? What do you want me doing? How does this, how does this affect me and my family, my situation? Where do you want me going? What have you called me to do as part of your great cosmic plan? Jesus spent time in prayer. And he comes out going, when all these voices come to him, he's like, nope, this is where we're going. We're leaving. We're leaving all the revival here. We're leaving all the healed people. The demon says, wouldn't they be great testimonies on a Sunday? I'd have them lined up here with the microphone. I was a demon says, man, I got healed. I was sick and paralyzed. I was a leper. And I'm, it would be amazing. But Jesus is like, nope. Moving on. I've got to take the message on. Time with his Father in heaven, in prayer, kept him focused on his mission. Kept him razor sharp in what he was doing. He wasn't going to get distracted and pulled away by anything else. And we can assume of this, I think, safely that this was a model for Jesus' life on the earth. He would regular times in prayer with his Father in heaven to keep focused. Occasionally we get little drop-in snapshots. One of the most famous ones is the one in the garden, isn't it? just before his death. And he's praying. And he's praying. He said, if, if you can take this cup from me, yet, not my will, but yours. And that moment in prayer kept him focused on the mission. And because he did that, we're here. <laughs> Prayer's not just a priority because it's an important thing. Because it's just one of those things we need to tick off our Christian tick list on a daily basis. It keeps us focused on God. It keeps us focused on what he's called us to. It keeps us energized for the mission. Prayer is good for you. Prayer is good for you. It is good that you pray. It's good that you have time with your Father in heaven. You don't need to leave here thinking, oh my goodness, there's another thing I've got to try and fit in. 
It's another thing I've got to add to the busy life I'm in. Putting it in our life gives you a foundation for everything else you're going to do. Everything else makes sense because you've prayed. Everything else makes sense because you've spent time with him. Everything else comes into order because you've put him first and you've given him time with you. What prayer does, prayer reminds you who God is. It reminds you that he is a great, infinite, sovereign God over all things. It reminds you that he is a father in heaven who just loves you and wants best for you. It reminds you who you are. It reminds you that you are his beloved son or daughter. That you're his child. You've been made righteous and holy. Him. You can come any time, bring him any request and talk to him about anything. He's never surprised because he knows it all anyway. It reminds you what Jesus did on the cross to enable that to happen. That Jesus' death, resurrection, means that we can be born again into this living hope that we can come to our Father and pray. It reminds you of all those things. It opens the way for you to make any request to Him about anything you want. Whatever's bothering you in your life now, whatever you want to bring to Him, any troubling thing, any pressure you have on you, anything that's weighing you down, anything that's emotional or physical or spiritual, any work situation, any family situation, any need you have, you can talk to Him. If you're confused, you can go to him. If you are lacking wisdom and understanding, you can go to him. Why would you not pray? It's good for you. And God has provided this avenue, this conduit, where we can have communion with him anytime, place. I think we'll stop there. Okay. We've got no band. <laughs> <laughs> so we're usually going to we'd sing now but we're not going to do that because they've set up somewhere else but Claire do you mind coming up and Claire's just going to pray a bit and I'm just going to lead us in a little bit of a response and the first thing I want to do is I want you to pray I want you to talk to your father in heaven now if you're not a believer here here's a perfect opportunity to start there's a Father in heaven who loves you and wants to know you. He sent his Son to earth to live the perfect life you couldn't live, to die the death you should have died on the cross. He rose victorious from the grave. He's now seated at the right hand of his Father in heaven, ruling and reigning, and one day will return in power and glory. And I'm offering you, if you want to get to know him yourself, now's your opportunity just to talk to him, say sorry for that you've lived your life your way, to turn away from all those things and put your faith and trust in him. If you're a believer here, you know this stuff. And I want you to talk to your Father in heaven. I want you to talk to him. And I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what's happening. I don't know if you need peace, comfort, hope or strength. I don't know if you need forgiveness, healing or restoration. I don't know if you need your faith to rise. I don't know if you need wisdom and direction. I don't know what's going on in your life. But I want you to take a moment to talk to your Father in heaven. If it's been a while since you've chatted with him, maybe you want to start just by acknowledging that. So maybe we'll do this. Maybe you want to close your eyes, bow your head, and I'll just give you a few moments just to start talking to your Father in heaven. Then I'm just going to lead us in a few things I'd love you to just think about, pray about. And so the first one, we'll do that. Just start talking to him. He's interested and listening now. <laughs> 